Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. I'm going to read from one of my favourite passages of Scripture in the Bible. In fact, it was one of the passages that in my personal disciplines I sought to try and learn off by heart. I'm not going to try it this morning. It's way too nervous in front of you. But Peter says to people who are struggling, Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. And then down in verse 6, In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, and they've come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There is a condition that is going to sweep through this country over the next week. It's one that has me deeply concerned. I call it Olympicitis. I really have deep concerns about it. I feel a, a tsunami of down moods, even depression for some, will result as a function of this because if you're not aware, the Olympics end today. And why I'm very concerned about this is that I think for many of us, myself included in our family, it feels like the Olympics has been the one ray of sunshine. It feels like the Olympics has been the one ray of hope in a world in which... Well, it's very interesting at the moment. And I think once this fades and ends, a lot of us are going to be feeling down. Can I get an amen on the online platforms if you're an Olympicite? We've got a few over there with us live. Okay, I know that I've hit a raw nerve for us. And look, the reason that we're going to feel down once the Olympics ends is, the, is for this reason. We are always looking for what we can look forward to. Have you found that? Well, we're always looking for what we're looking forward to. We've been looking forward to the Olympics. And have you ever felt that feeling when the things that you're looking forward to are just about coming to an end, particularly? Remember those things we used to take outside the state called holidays? And they would begin to end in that. Remember the, the Saturday before you've got to fly out of wherever you are, blues? We have that. We're always looking for the things that we're looking forward to. And the reason is this, and it's a phrase I use all the time in this church. It's because we are irreducibly hope-based creatures. That is that our present behaviours, how we feel, how we act, our moods, who we are, are affected by our believed-in futures. We're hope-based creatures. Now, some examples of that at the broad level is you can see, I, I never forget that tragic moment that was thrust across our scenes years ago when we saw the sentence being handed down to Chappelle Corby. You remember that as she was standing in an Indonesian court and the moment in which through the translation that she realised that she could be in a jail for the rest of her life? It, it was tragic. She was smashing her face. She was... I still remember that image to this day. More positively, though, have you ever seen the face of a lottery winner they, when they hold that big check in front of them? It's like life has changed. We are irreducibly hope-based creatures. Our, our present behaviours, whether it's one of tears or one of joy, is inherently linked 
to our believed in future. Now, at a more practical level, I'm sure you've seen this in your own life. And the way that you can test it out is you can look back on the week and see in your own life, are there ways in which you've been emotionally affected by, mm, I don't know, perhaps an 11 o'clock numbers update? The ways in which you've, emotions have been affected by the concept of whether it's another four weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, September, October, I'm not even going to speak it out. We're affected by our believed in futures. And yet the scriptures say to us in Romans 5, and Barry said that this morning, that hope, if we're hope-based creatures, does not disappoint us. Oh, but yeah, it does. Right? I think the challenge for us when we hear statements like that from the scriptures is that we have all have been in places where hopes have disappointed us. We've had hopes for friendships or relationships that have disappointed us. We've had hopes for uh, a new year. A new year, like 2021 was going to be the new year once we got through 2020 and we were done with lockdowns and yet we are disappointed. We've, we've got hopes in politicians that are going to lead us into a new and promised land. We have hopes for the end of lockdown we have hopes in a vaccine hope does not disappoint uh yet but yes it does and there's the problem for us right particularly for us followers of jesus have you found that what do we do when we get enough discouragements and suddenly discouragement takes on a more sinister form and discouragement leads to hopelessness and I think for the follower of Jesus, we get stuck and we get caught. We dare not admit it to anyone else in church, right? <laughs> that we might be feeling hopeless. And it's those moments where we begin to beat ourselves up and say, well, maybe I just needed more faith. Maybe I just need to believe more. Maybe I just need to do something more. Hey, if you're feeling like that today, would it, would it bring you some that the giants of the faith, the ones that brought us the message of Jesus, the ones that endured persecution, the ones that are responsible for the fact that we are reading from the book of First Peter today, felt just as despondent, just as hopeless, just as confused with a God who doesn't seem to know what he's doing in the world as some of you might be feeling today. You see, that is the context in which Peter wrote this passage from the scriptures um you've seen my shirt this morning marty whatever you do don't go to 2020 and i think there would have been a shirt if peter would have worn a shirt for all of the believers he said marty whatever you do don't go to ad 63 <laughs> which is really interesting because isn't it funny how we modern people think that somehow our situations are far worse or or far far bigger than all of those ancient people would have had to endure and yet you've got to understand the perspective from which peter wrote this letter we think peter and we we think rock rocky best friend of jesus rock of the church strong guy this is ad 63 this is years have passed since this jesus movement thing which took off in jerusalem has been in play in, in fact it's been decades that have passed they're thinking back to the old glory days in which those disciples of and Peter and John, there was even this guy, Saul, the persecutor of the church, gets converted on the way to Damascus, becomes the church's greatest evangelist. He's planted uh, churches all through the area of Asia. You've got his mate Mark that went with him. All sorts of crazy, amazing, miraculous things were happening in the church. And yet things are looking different. This Paul's now imprisoned in Rome and it'll be about a year until 
he is executed. Mark's trying to scramble back to Rome to go and find Paul just to encourage him. The disciples are scattered all throughout the region. And Peter is speaking to a range of believers primarily in the area of what is modern-day Turkey who are wondering, because of all of this persecution that's down upon them, whether this Christianity thing will ever survive. And at the deeper level, they're probably asking the question, where is God in all of this? (laughs) Marty, whatever you do, don't go to AD 63. (laughs) And in AD 63, this is what Peter has to say to these followers of Jesus. Peter, who, by the way, is in hiding because he's worried about his own execution. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. He's saying, remember, friends, remember, followers, you have hope, but this is not the everyday, off-the-shelf, worldly type of hope that your next-door neighbor's got. This is a different hope. This is a living hope. You see, the world's hope is in... Hope. (laughs) Hopes. The world hopes in hopes. The world hopes in things. The world hopes in ideals. The world hopes in concepts. Whereas Christians don't hope in hopes. Christians hope in an event. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Peter points them back to the genesis of every piece of hope for Christians throughout the century. And that is this. That our hope is that one day, once we're through all of this, whether it's a lockdown or whether it's the ultimate lockdown in a coffin in the form of death, that we're going to come out of it. And that he says that ultimately in the, in the grand scheme of things, the fact that there is a bodily resurrected Jesus shows us this. There has to be something more to, than the world we see around us. Remember that, he says, <laughs> to which... To which you're probably thinking to yourself now, if you're in the lounge room or you're listening this, to this in the car on audio only, I hope you can't be watching this whilst you're driving, or you're watching this on a mobile device on a, on a train right now, probably you're thinking, Sam, that is the most cliched Christian answer that I could possibly get. Oh, well, just be happy because Jesus is back from the dead. <laughs> you know, Sam, don't you know about the disappointments that I've got? Don't you know that I'm trying to get through homeschooling? Don't you know that I'm feeling alone and lonely at the moment? Don't you know that I'm feeling a bit tapped out? And Peter says, okay, no, look, before you jump at me, he says, here's the result of what happens when people take that to heart. And I'm going to explain how we do that in a second. But he says, in all of this now, you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, there is something fascinating that happens in the grief there because he says you have joy in the Greek present tense now. And then he says you have grief present tense now he's saying you have joy now you have grief now not you have grief and then just hold out and one day you might get joy or nor is he saying that you've got joy and it's going to be spoilt by grief he's saying something profound he's saying in christianity in this living hope grief and joy can exist at exactly the same time now this is off the charts for people It's off the charts for your next-door neighbor who doesn't believe in Jesus because from a worldly point of view, they don't have this resource that we have. There is no other hope than hopes. There is no other hope than in things that will eventually, as Barry said, perish, spoil, and fade. Joy and suffering, grief can happen at exactly the same time for a Christian, and for a lot of Christians, that's off the roadmap too. 
<laughs> it's off the roadmap for this reason. The first thing, and this is how we live in hope. This is how we get a living hope. Notice the play on words. This is how you get a, a living hope. If, if joy and grief are at exactly the same time, if grief is happening at the same time as, as joy, well, that word for grief, that word for grief or suffering is, is a word called uh, theosuchus, otherwise known as this sucks. Now, it's, it's not actually a Greek word. I just made that up. Okay, if you haven't worked it out. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't even know if we can put that slide up in church, but we just did. And what I like, what I like about the Bible when you read it for what it is, what Peter says to his followers in the midst of trials and hardships and lockdown and hiding, he says, "This sucks." Which what it means for you today is that it's totally biblical and it's totally okay to say, "This sucks." More importantly, the way that you find hope first and foremost is you might actually need this morning to acknowledge the things that you are grieving. There are things that you've lost. There's holidays that you wanted to go on. There are people that you are missing. There are things that you wanted to do. There are opportunities that have gone. And for some of you, these are opportunities that are not coming back. And I want to tell you this morning that the Bible, and Peter says to you through the Bible, says it's okay to say, this sucks. And yet, you know, the thing that frustrates me the most from time to time is that there are brands of Christianity that make you feel like as a Christian that you don't dare say these sorts of things in church or heaven forbid to another Christian. Because if you declare somehow that in the midst of the sort of things that we're going through that this sucks is that, well, you know, you're the kind of person who just must not have enough faith. <laughs> Come on. Look at Christ in Gethsemane. Look at the way he goes off at his disciples who fall asleep on him and say, you can't even stay with me in the midst of this. I've been sweating blood here, guys. This is horrible. This sucks. <laughs> Peter says, even though you are suffering. Maybe the first thing you need to acknowledge this morning is just you to acknowledge that you're feeling grief. And that's totally okay. That's the starting point, finding hope. The way that you then work out this living hope is that you have to interact with your believed in future. It's a living hope, not a static hope. The world's hopes are static because they're an idea. This is a living hope. This is a hope that, as Paul says in Romans, is poured into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit in order to interact with us. You see, you don't interact with dead things. I've seen it. People have dead pets. Dead pets don't interact with you the way that they used to interact with you. You don't interact with a book. Books don't interact with you the same way the dead cats interact with you. It's because dead things, unliving things, don't shift you and they don't sh change you. But living hope, living hope, living hope is a Muhammad Ali hope. You've got to wrestle with it. You've got you to wrestle with it. That's what Muhammad Ali would say. You've, you've got to take this believed in future and you've got to wrestle it from your head down into your heart. You have to take the cliche that Sam said and Peter said that we have this hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you have to preach it into your heart. You have to work it in. You have to work with it. You have to fight against it. You have to think it's silly. You then have to pray about it. You then have to ask God for his wisdom. You need to work with the Holy Spirit on it. You, you work it in. You... You, you live your life in light of that believed in future. 
To which some of you say, well, how does that work? What does that look like? Which to me would be like saying, well, how do I know which way my palm tree is going to grow in the backyard? If you've got a palm tree in the backyard. I don't know how it's going to grow, what it's going to look like. I just know that if it's living, it's going to grow. The only way I can explain it to you is like this. And some of you may know that uh, when I was 23, 24, my mum passed away. And she passed away quite suddenly. In fact, the last ever conversation that I ever had with my mum, after many years of um, struggles with her alcoholism and all that she'd been through, she said, said to me, Sam, you know what? I, I've spent years forgiving everyone else in my life. And this week I found forgiveness again. In Jesus. Now, she was a Christian, of course. She grew up in the church all of her life, but she had a new and a profound encounter with Jesus, and that is the last thing that I ever heard from her mouth. And as a result, I have an absolute conviction that one day, one of the things that I can't wait to do when I get to heaven is to sit down and to continue that conversation with mum. What that hope looks like practically, I remember sitting in the chair of a, of a counsellor a couple of years after the fact and, and I said to this non-Christian counsellor, look, I don't know, is there anything more I should be doing in order, in order to be processing my grief? I, 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 I sort of feel fine. I told him about this conversation that I'd had. And his response to me in all of that was this. He said, whatever that view of the world that you Christians have, well, it must have worked. There's nothing more for you to process. Whatever that view of the world that you Christians have, it must have worked. And that, that is the absolute perfect expression of what a living hope is going to mean. I can't define what a living hope is going to mean for you. But the critical thing for you as we get ready to finish this morning is this, that people are watching. People are watching your kids are watching, your spouse or your partner is watching, your flatmate's watching, your workmates are watching, your friends are watching. People who don't have this living hope that we're talking about this morning are watching. And they're watching to see whether or not this view of the world that you have works. And it's just not any other view of the world. The view of the world that we have is a bodily resurrected Jesus Christ. It's a view of the world that says the only reason that you and I are sitting in lounge rooms or watching on a mobile device talking about this person of Jesus is because somewhere in history, someone came back from the dead. And when we take the magnitude and the glory of that truth into our lives, when we take that believed in future into the center of our lives, somehow, mysteriously, it emerges in a way that brings life and joy and stability and peace. Not just to your life, but the lives of the people who are watching around you. Jesus said, let your light shine before people. So that when they see that, they go, there could be no explanation for that. Then they belong to that guy up in heaven. I saw an example of that last night in a joyful, smiley, funny-looking high jumper that I turned to Kristen and said, there's something about her. I bet you she's a Christian. <laughs> Turns out she is. She understood what hope was. She says this, I decided to pursue God over sport, and whatever comes with sport is a bonus, but I'm already complete and perfect in love regardless of it. We're the sort of people, Christians, 
that. We can take all the amazing, incredible achievements in life and celebrate and smile in silver medals and the rest of it. But if we don't achieve that height over that bar, are the sorts of people who won't be crushed by our failures because we are people of hope. People are watching. They're watching whether you're a high jumper on the Olympics. They're watching whether or not you're a parent whose child is staring in at you from a distance as you continue to process the news. All I would say to you this morning is that if you want to be a person of peace and stability and joy, it's not going to happen easily. It's going to happen with a wrestle. But for heaven's sake, don't aim at your behaviours. Don't try and be the sort of person that's peaceful and stable. Our behaviours, our present behaviours, are affected by our believed-in futures. So work on your believed-in futures and live in hope. So I've got a couple of questions for you this morning. A couple of questions as we get ready to take communion with one another this morning thing that will unite all of us maybe just two simple questions for you this morning for some of you you need to process that greek word theosuchus theosuchus for some of you what do you need to grieve this week we get it and it's okay what do you need to grieve for some of you what are you what are you looking forward to What are you looking forward to at two levels? If the Olympics are done, then let's be real too. It's an important part of how we continue to maintain our sense of joy and peace and stability. You need to continue to establish immediate and real horizons of hope. What is the next thing that you're looking forward to? It's important to find horizons of hope in in the immediate. Maybe you too might explore vintage synths or whatever it might be, to be giving you a little sparkle of joy this morning. But what are you looking forward to in the immediate? But most importantly, what are you looking forward to in the eternal? What is it truly that is affecting your present behaviours? As we take communion now, I'm going to give you the space to think through those two questions. For those of you that need to grieve, you understand at the least that God gets you. He understands what it is to feel pain and to feel loss. And may that be enough, perhaps, to comfort you in this time of grief. At the same time, as we understand that he says, this is my blood spilt for you, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We understand that on one hand, There is the grief and the pain and the loss of death. But on the other hand, there is joy and there is hope on the other side of the cross. There is joy and there is hope on the other side of death. At the more practical level, there is joy and hope, not just on the other side of your present situation. But as Peter would say, it's available to you now as you bring that into your hearts. And so let us think upon him as we eat and drink and ask ourselves those questions this morning. Let's do that now. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au. Are you part of the family and had it on your heart to get more involved at Northside, but you're not sure where to start? Well, we'd love to help. Send us an email at iwanttoserve at northsidechurch.org.au today.